Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Editor's Note. I'm Yair Pinto, and together with me, as always, is TV7, Israel News Editor-in-Chief. How are you doing, Jonathan Hessen? Praise the Lord. I'm doing well yourself. <laughs> I'm doing great. It's another, another week, and it's really good to be here. It is a true blessing, mm-hmm. indeed. Yeah, and before we dive into all the topics, I would like to ask you guys back at home to join me in prayer that God will be with us and bless this program. אבינו שבשמיים, תודה לך שאתה איתנו, תודה לך שאתה מברך אותנו. Our Father in heaven, thank you for being with us. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for leading us to the right direction that you have for each and every one of our lives. We pray that you will join us here in this program, that you will give us the wisdom to really share truthful information and encourage us and all of our family back at home to pray, pray for the peace of Jerusalem and the salvation of Israel. So please, we pray now for the salvation of Israel, for the peace of Jerusalem. You know that you are the only one who can bring peace to this region. B'Shem Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. Well, Jonathan, um, it's already getting to the end of June, which means that uh, soon... In July, we're going to have a bit of a change in our production schedule. That is because of the Finnish production schedule that uh, on July is uh, taking a production break. For us, it's very important to share with uh, you back at home that our uh, productions will keep on going except for Israel News that will take uh, a month break. And the Jerusalem studio will keep on going, but not at the same rate. So we will have, we will still make the effort and we are doing it to keep you guys informed with what's happening in the region. So we are making an effort to put uh, the ad, like uh, Middle East Review, Jerusalem Praise, uh, Times Observer, all of the production except for Israel News in July as well. So this is a very, you know, important endeavor for us. That's why the month of June is extra, you know, hard or like rather condensed with production for us, but uh, God is good and he's uh, providing. And um, I think, you know, by saying that, uh, that we are doing this extra effort in July, it's important to share with with you back at home that everything that we do here is based on the financial support that you give us back at home. Of course, financial support, prayer, uh, comments, we get your emails of, uh, you know, support it gives us lots of tailwind to keep doing this, especially, you know, during the month of July, because we don't want you guys to be back at home without any updates from Israel. So please remember that, you know, the more you give, the more we can do, the more programs we can do. And that's how we operate here. So if you like to, to support our endeavors and if God is leading you to do so, please go to our website, www.tv7israelnews.com and make a financial contribution. It will go a long way. And then, well, today, Jonathan, we want to discuss many topics, but I think the major one is the energy crisis in Europe, 
in the world now. We see gas prices going up. Are there any you know, solutions, any, the politicians are doing something to try to ease this uh, crisis? There was a sharp shift. Let me just uh, give one point about the latter point. Yes, definitely. <laughs> when we're talking about the productions, TV7 Israel uh, is 100% donation-based, mm-hmm. meaning that all of our productions, all that we do is um, supported by uh, people who watch and are blessed by our productions. Uh, so uh, ultimately, it goes a long way initially to sustain. Uh, we have not yet uh, reached a point where we have more than we uh, need to sustain our operations. Uh, that's why also the the development process right now uh, to new productions, even though we have packaged already several additional productions Definitely. and are ready mm-hmm. to uh, launch them the moment we have the finance to also accommodate the the, um, the, the hosts, the panelists, the, the people around it. Uh, of course, not all, all of our productions are also financed at this moment. So some of our productions are being done uh, in a voluntary basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, praise God, he, he provides and, and we trust that he uh, you know, takes care of, of everything that we do. And uh, it's a blessing to be able to serve in this capacity. Definitely. Um, now, yeah. going to your question about energy, which is obviously uh, <laughs> related to last week, uh, there was uh, the uh, visit by Ursula von der Leyen, uh, the president of the uh, European Union's commission um, here to Israel, a couple of days afterwards, she traveled to Cairo to sign a, a trilateral memorandum of understanding, basically a sort of contract uh, that uh, brings about uh, a transfer of, of gas, Israeli gas, from its offshore reservoirs mm-hmm. uh, to Europe in an attempt to diminish uh, the, the reliance of EU member states on particularly uh, Russia, yes. uh, which for years has been, uh, you know, the, the most heavily reliant countries in Europe included uh, Hungary and, and Poland and uh, uh, exclusively Germany was very reliant, not only on uh, natural gas, but also on coal and, and other mm-hmm. aspects like that. Since the offensive in February, uh, the launch of the offensive by Russia into Ukraine, uh, Europe has decided to scale back, also because of sanctions, which then uh, the Russians had leverage over uh, the Europeans to try and scale back Russian efforts to develop their own interests mm-hmm. uh, in the region from a, a, a geopolitical perspective, from the strategic competition perspective. Uh, what we're seeing in Ukraine is just one step, um, just... Uh, Last week uh, or a week and a half ago, there was a, a speech by Vladimir Putin um, about the Peter the Great speech, mm-hmm. let's call it that way, commemorating uh, the birth of Peter the Great, uh, Peter the First, sorry, Peter the First, who was uh, regarded as a um, very uh, astute um uh, 
student of modern warfare. He also traveled to the Netherlands, uh, studied there in the military academy, uh, uh, naval mm -hmm. warfare, and then traveled back and it integrated it into the naval capacity of, of the Russian Empire mm -hmm. under him. He expanded significantly. He also, during the Great Northern War, defeated Sweden. Mm -hmm. um, which forced Sweden um, to basically scale back because uh, Charles XII um, at the time uh, was, of course, wounded and, and uh, passed away because of it, mm -hmm. died of his wounds in the decisive battle of Poltava. Yes. You know, so um, it, Sweden at the time, the kingdom, was an expansionist empire, very powerful. Its troops included, uh, uh, you know, units from Denmark and from Finland and, and from Norway. And, and those were the Vikings of the north uh, during Christendom, uh, the period. Um, so because of the variables that occurred back then and the expansions and the developments. By the way, the Ukrainians, uh, the militias in Ukraine supported back then the Russians. Okay, so I, ironically, yes. history fluctuates and alliances don't always stay in one direction or another. Yep. But 300 years later, plus a couple of years, Vladimir Putin sees himself as the um, successor, if you will, of Peter I, mm -hmm. Peter the Great. And he said that in his speech, that he seeks to expand, he seeks to reclaim lost territories of the Russian Empire mm -hmm. in reference to the territories won by Peter I. So uh, we are looking at what he says very keenly. Uh, we understand that world leaders, they're also human beings. They also have idols. Uh, in the sense of they idolize certain individuals from the past and they try to achieve what they achieved and even more. They want to create uh, their legacy. Indeed. So uh, if you want to understand Putin, study Peter I. If you want to understand Benjamin Netanyahu, study Churchill. If you want yeah. to understand, you know, each one has his own role model, role model within that context. Now, uh, when we're looking at uh, the energy crisis, because the scale back of, of uh, uh, reliance by EU member states vis-a-vis -vis Russia, um, they started to look for alternative means. So uh, the first country to benefit significantly mm -hmm. from this scenario is Qatar. Okay. Okay. Qatar, if we have the big picture, you see the small... Um, area right here that is Qatar and what they basically do they liquid uh, uh, liquefy yeah okay the uh, uh, natural gas the, the crude oil and everything and they ship it through the the uh, Persian Gulf they go all the way uh, down to uh, Bab mendeb in the area of Yemen mm -hmm. okay and then they go up through the um, uh, Nile and, and they keep on going until they get to Europe. Now, mm -hmm. the one to receive the majority of Qatar's oil is uh, Spain and Germany. Okay, they have established significant contracts to try and surpass um, or diminish the leverage Russia has on them until 2025. All European member states, um, except for a few, um, a few that do not agree with with sanctioning necessarily Russian oil yeah. and have some understandings on that front. Um, so 
they are trying to diminish all reliance on Russia and to find alternative means. Algeria is another country that transports fuel, crude oil, okay. to Spain and from Spain northwards. There were some issues there, but they're being resolved. And, and of course, every relationship fluctuates again. But this thing takes time. It does right? take time. So it's not like uh, in a few months. It will take a few years to... Well, this is already uh, in the process. This is already happening. Okay. Uh, all those things take time, but it doesn't take years. It takes... No, okay. From the decision... It, uh, it's fast. The infrastructure is already there. Okay? okay. If they need to hire more uh, hands to assist in this or to establish more infrastructure, those things are a couple of months and, and they, they happen very rapidly when there is ne- the necessity there for and there is the funds to back it up. I see. So, well, it always like making the decision is the hardest thing and then Indeed. just making it happen is fast. So, when we're talking about uh, the Israeli part in this equation... Yes. Um, the offshore gas is quite substantive, okay? It is within Israel's economic uh, waters, uh, quite uh, significant offshore reservoirs. We're talking about Tamar and Livyatan? Uh, Tamar, Livyatan, and, and a few other and smaller, smaller ones. ones. Yeah. Um, and then they are transferred via pipeline to Egypt mm-hmm. from where it is then liquefied into... Uh, liquid gas, basically. Yes. So it can uh, be transported. Indeed. And then they transport them uh, via maritime routes with ships into uh, the European continental, uh, continental Europe, that is, um, to accommodate again and, and to serve as a substitute to those Russian gas. Now, there are different challenges here. Uh, yeah, you just said, you know, context. because it, we're replacing Russian gas. Indeed. So now... Israel is playing a part against Russian interest. How, how does this affect the relationship? Well, uh, again, uh, Israel may play, an, uh, you know, Israel competes with Russia in certain fronts. Mm-hmm. Israel competes with other countries on other fronts. Okay, it, it's, it's okay to compete. Uh, now, the moment it bites in Russian interests, including Qatar, for instance. Qatar, if we go zoom in to the Middle East and we see where Qatar is, it's a very small country uh, with significant um, gas reservoirs, both onshore and offshore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, um, if I, the MCR can zoom in, please, uh, we can see closer that small extension there above the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia, that's Qatar. Mm -hmm. It is a Sunni Muslim state, emirate, basically, under uh, uh, an emir who is very interest-driven, but at the same time, he also has certain allegiances to the Muslim Brotherhood, Mm -hmm. okay? And therefore, Qatar and Turkey are so closely linked together, Mm -hmm. all right? So, again... And they're also supporting Gaza, Hamas. Hamas is an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. Yes. Again, uh, we need to understand that when we see those various countries, why is uh, Turkey today, um, n- v- uh, let's call it not an enemy, but a an adversary, a significant rival of Egypt, because the previous president, Mohammed mm-hmm. uh, Mursi, was a uh, leader of the Muslim Brotherhood yes. in Egypt. And then there was suddenly a link between Turkey, AKP is a Muslim Brotherhood 
oriented yes. uh, party, an Islamist party. Another one, yeah. Had an interest to have another strong Muslim Brotherhood nation in the region. Now, the moment the coup occurred, the first ones to outcry this situation was Turkey. Okay, so uh, it is complicated. Mm -hmm. We won't go into this um, uh, right now, but we need to understand that, uh, yes, there is leverage. Uh, this uh, challenges Russia. Israel has Russia on its northern border. Uh, therefore, there are joint interests there when we're talking about the deconfliction mechanism on the Syria front. Mm -hmm. But now when Turkey has blocked Russian entry, okay, blocked Russian entry into the eastern Mediterranean, the mm -hmm. um, Phosphorus Strait, which is under Turkish control, has blocked all naval assets from Russia to enter into the eastern Mediterranean, meaning that its port of Tautus, okay, yeah, in Syria, in yeah. Syria, suddenly doesn't have the uh, the logistical capacity to sustain from a military perspective. Then Turkey also blocked Russian aviation. Okay, so okay, they need to make a, a huge uh, roundabout. So where does it go through? It goes through Armenia. Mm -hmm. Okay, if we go back to the, the larger map, uh, we can go from Russia. Okay, we see Russia. They go through Armenia into Iran, Iraq, and Syria. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? That suddenly Iran has leverage over Russia. And this indicates that, okay, where is this heading to? Yeah. We're still observing very closely what is happening. Um, Iran has interests to maintain control over Iraq, uh, over Syria, over Lebanon. It's engulfing uh, Israel from multiple areas. It's engulfing Saudi Arabia, either from the north, Iraq, or from the south, Yemen. Mm -hmm. And it's establishing itself in strategic positions to um, counter its rivals, so to speak. The rivals of uh, Iran, ultimately Israel on the one hand, and Saudi Arabia on the other. Saudi Arabia, of course, being uh, the leader of the GCC, the Gulf Cooperation Council, significant uh, soft power, economic power, mm. not as much strong power, but it has also guarantees from Egypt, which again has joint interests with Saudi Arabia, also another Sunni Muslim country which has moderate incl uh, inclination, so to speak. But um, when we're looking at, at this context, okay, and bringing again the leverage now Iran has over uh, Russia mm -hmm. and the capacity to basically uh, entrench itself militarily in multiple areas, be it in uh, Syria and Iraq and Yemen again to the south, if we can again zoom in, uh, mm -hmm. it allows us to really understand uh, the placement of the Iranian forces, which is a chessboard. Yes. We need to look yeah. at the, the map as a chessboard. Okay, where are the troops placing from the strategic level to the tactical level? Mm -hmm. Everything is carefully placed. The Mabam, what we called uh, the campaign between the mm -hmm. wars, it is intended to diminish Iranian capacity to entrench and place its pawns where it wants to mm -hmm. for the day that a war occurs. Yeah, just talking about uh, this Bamam, this campaign Bamam. Between, uh, between the wars, um, the Israeli Defense Minister, Benny Gantz, 
just stated that in the next war with Lebanon, Israel will win a decisive uh, win. What does this mean? That Israel is ready for the next war now if we have a war and won't be like a question who is going to win? Well, it was one sentence, the elaborate speech, mm-hmm. um, which was, by the way, aired extensively on, on TV7 Israel News uh, last week. Um, Lieutenant General Aviv Kochavi, the outgoing chief of general staff of the IDF, uh, provided quite the um, illustrious image yeah. of of uh, the situation vis-a-vis Lebanon, but also on a broader scale. Um, he focused on Lebanon as a test subject, but there was a reason for that just a couple of days before that Hezbollah mm-hmm. threatened Israel with war and to attack, again, going back to the energy, uh, an oil rig, uh, an offshore oil mm-hmm. rig that came to, to develop uh, the Karish, uh, yes, oil reservoir or gas reservoir, um, and I, I will explain shortly. We still have time, so mm-hmm. I'll explain shortly the dynamics of that story. But uh, the point of the matter is that um, people in the know uh, who've uh, I had the opportunity to speak with this past week uh, quite extensively um, are assessing. And I'm, I'm very carefully choosing my words here uh, that uh, a war um, with Iranian proxies and Iran in general, but yes. Iranian proxies as initial stage, um, may break out in the near future, uh, speaking about four months to, to one year, but medium to near future. Okay? That's really close, yeah, four months to one year. Indeed. So uh, it is very, very dangerous right now, mm-hmm. the situation. A- anything can ignite this uh, this war. Right, we're always going back to the word miscalculation. Yeah. You know, but uh, when we're talking about uh, the, the structure of the Middle East, uh, I think Kissinger also wrote a, a piece about this uh, just lately. Um, when you really look at the picture uh, on the whole aspect, the region is ripe mm-hmm. for war because too many points um, are in constant clash. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there, there are too many frictions occurring simultaneously that ultimately may, may force Israel into a military campaign on a regional scale, something that would also draw in um, uh, the Arab states yeah. uh, and uh, I believe also the United States to a lesser degree. But it will also get involved because um, China is involved, Russia is involved, everybody are involved. Yeah, in it feels region. like the, the alliances are, are ready, like the coalitions are ready in place on both sides. And anything can ignite this uh, big war there is an ongoing struggle this mm-hmm. is uh, strategic competition on the global level on the medium yeah. level on the regional level on, on the local level even okay so when we're talking about uh, waves breaker which started by rooting out terror from mm-hmm. uh the the west bank yeah pinpointed operations it turned into a uh, very pinpointed effort 
to root out Iranian elements in the West Bank. Mm -hmm. Okay, so as we spoke about this more uh, to uh, um, better understand this, of course, go back to previous productions where we spoke about this more particularly. The situation there is to take out basically Iranian assets that will challenge Israel during an all-out war. Mm -hmm. Okay, same goes for Lebanon. Same goes for Syria. Same goes for the entire region. There are ongoing efforts being made by Israel and other nations. Okay, when we're talking about the Turkish offensive in northern Iraq, it was intended to target logistics of the PKK, but also of Hashtashabi, an Iranian proxy uh, alliance. Okay, so we're looking at the whole picture and we're seeing an ongoing effort to diminish or to... Um, start a war in better terms and conditions. Yes, everybody's trying to make moves that will help them once the war, the big war starts. Okay, indeed, absolutely. Now, when we're going back to the energy aspect, Mm -hmm. and if we can put up a video that we also published on Mm -hmm. our uh, news last week, we can see the Lebanese maritime boundaries, the Israeli maritime boundaries, and this is an area in dispute, okay? Now, this was between 2010 and 2012. Lebanon established a, a dispute at the United Nations uh, demanding to resolve this dispute. Now, since then, Karish, this offshore oil reservoir here, mm-hmm. uh, has been found by Israel. Okay, This was outside the boundary of dispute in Israeli territory back then. Yes. Conveniently, suddenly Lebanon changed its decisions just last year, okay, mm-hmm. and decided to expand in 2020 this area and then say that, okay, now this is also in dispute. Uh-huh. We have legal claims for this. And they filed that in, in the UN. They have yet to file this, but this is now an additional dispute okay. uh, since the uh, Biden administration entered into office. Uh, Hochstein, the American envoy, said... No, you're too late. You're delusional. Yeah. More a sense of delusional. Um, But uh, the Lebanese are, of course, within a constant um, challenge because also the pragmatic new forces who are fighting corruption now are demanding to be more strict on wanting everything. Okay. So they're joining with Hezbollah in battling for this. But uh, Iran is behind... Hezbollah trying to push for a settlement of this because this would allow mm-hmm. Iranian interests just above Israeli interests. And suddenly there are things that intertwine there. Anyways, everything is very challenging. Yes. Uh, we need to pray for, for the peace of Israel. We mm-hmm. need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That also the negotiators from the Israeli side, but also from the Lebanese side, that they'll come to a uh, clear understanding of what um, what is good for both what sides. Is yeah. Not necessarily good, but what compromise they can live with. As always, of course, we need to pray for the, the situation in Israel, for the, the salvation of Israel, the peace of Jerusalem, but also to understand that uh, the peace of Israel and the stability in Israel is connected to the stability and peace of Lebanon. Uh, the situation there is dire, economically speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, Iranian elements obviously directed uh, under the, the guise of the Hezbollah umbrella are being uh, vicious to all other communities, including Christians, Druze, uh, and Sunni Muslims 
pray for those people. Pray for them. Mm-hmm. They are desperate. Um, and uh, to always remember, of course, God is in control. Definitely. Well, thank you, Jonathan. And thank you back at home. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Editor's Notes. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.